Holy Bible to Proverbs chapter 29. I pray that we would never lose the holiness of this great book. Proverbs chapter 29, and as you're turning there, I want to take this opportunity and time to just, you know, thank my mom, wonderful woman, wonderful mother, a wonderful pastor, wonderful leader. Great, I believe, personally, probably one of the best teachers that we have in the outreach. Uh, I share that all the time. I say that all the time. And uh, people trip out when I say, yeah, that's right, that's right, it's a woman. You got a problem with that? <laughs> I think, uh, but, you know, in order to be a great teacher, you got to be a great studier. And she's a great, great studier. She has an awesome, awesome library. Not, you know, you know, there with the bookshelves, but I mean library in her heart uh, that God has really blessed her with. And so I'm very, very grateful and thankful to have that uh, within my life. And then also I look out, I see many great uh, people uh, here within the, you know, the, the city of Hayward. I look around, I said, oh, man, look, my friend's here. Oh, look, this person's here. Oh, my friend, this person, that. I said, man, I could, I could literally go around all morning and just really uh, thank and every single one of you. But it's really great to see uh, all of you here this morning, uh, faces that I know, faces that have uh, changed as well. Like, hey, hold on, he grew a beard, what's going on, hey, oh, oh my gosh, look at her, look at him. And so just to see uh, many of you guys' faces here this morning, uh, thank you guys so much for, for being here. And uh, it's great to see you, but I love to see new faces. So I can't wait to get some new faces as well, some new, fresh ones. And the reason why I say that is because if you look at all the chairs, they're waiting for some more faces. All these chairs are waiting for some more faces. And so uh, it's great to be here this morning. I see a good friend of mine, Eric, back there. Come on now. Uh, that is Eric, right? He lost, lost some weight, though. I was like, whoa, my gosh. He's good, though. Real, real, real good to see a good friend of mine, uh, Brother Eric. Amen. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. If you have it, say, mm-hmm. Had, that was for a little bit of Kojic right there. For those of the church of God in Christ, Brother Macklin right there, Bishop Macklin. Had to get a little bit of that in there. Told you I miss Hayward, amen. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Some of your translations say, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand, and ask them this question. Say, do you see what I see? Then you may be seated. Also got some real good Friends of mine as well, too, that I see around. We were in the discipleship home together. Uh, you know, just different guys. And now uh, Geronimo, he's married. Come on now. I was able to perform uh, his, his wedding there, him and his wife, Angelica. And uh, just to see him here. And then also Jason. That's my, my, uh, my good friend. And Victor. Real, real good friends. Uh, for a number of years. Can't wait for Jason and Victor to get married. Just can't wait for that. We got uh, Geronimo. All right, we got him. Now we need Jason and Victor. Geronimo. <laughs> take the plunge. Amen. Go for it. Praise the Lord. Here this morning, I want to emphasize and ask you this question again and again. Do you see what I see? Can you see what I see? 
See, vision is something very, very important to a Christian. It's very, very important to what you and I represent as a light of Christ. It's a very important factor and quality and characteristic within what you and I are. Vision is something that you have to have. Because if you don't have the vision, my friend, that you're coming here and all you're doing is, is clocking in and clocking out in a heavenly uh, work fashion, that's all you're really doing. Because that, so that when you get to heaven, you can say, hey, God, for two hours every Sunday I was there. And so you're able to clock in and say, I did that. And God says, wait, wait, wait. With all the time and, and, and energy and everything that I did to create you, all you did was want to do two hours of church? Two hours of a celestial service, that's it? That's all you wanted to do? Didn't you understand the purpose? Didn't you understand why I created you? Didn't you understand why I put you in that city? Didn't you understand why I put you in that workplace? Didn't you understand why I gave you that family? Don't you understand why I wanted you to see this? That's why I want to ask you here this morning, Victory Outreach Chamber, can you see what I see? Do you see what I see? I pray that you see and understand the purpose of why you were here. The purpose why you even got saved here in this ministry. It's not by accident you got saved in this ministry. You could have got saved in any other ministry, gone to any other church. You could have been uh, somewhere else on a Sunday morning. But God called you here for a reason and for a purpose. Can I hear an amen? It's not by accident that you're here. There is a purpose. Tell your neighbor there's a purpose for you. The other day I was sitting down watching TV and I was there with my son and my son, he was asking for his cup. He said, Dad, where's my cup? My cup. You know, it was a little sippy cup that he has. I had a three-year-old son, the cutest little kid, man. And he's coming up and he said, Dad, where's my cup? My cup. And I go, oh, you know, I'm sitting on the couch and I go, it's right there. And, you know, just like any three-year-old, he's looking around, where? You know, where? You know, he's turning his head fast. I'm like, there, look right there. There, where, where? And he's moving. And where, where? Right there. And you know, you know, three year old. And it's, especially if you get a three year old like mine, it thinks he's seven years old, right? He wants to be older than what he is. And he's like, and then he turns to me, and goes, "Dad, I don't see it." <laughs> like, dude, it's right there. He's like, but I don't see it, Dad. I want my cup. And so I was like, all right. So what I did is I got out of the, off the couch, and I literally picked him up because, you know, the TV was a little elevated. So I picked him up, turned him around, and said, it's right there. He's all, oh, okay. But then I put him right back down and go, okay, it's right there. And he goes, okay, give it to me. I go, no, you got to get it. I just showed it to you. That's all you want. You just wanted to see it. See, that's just like many, many times you and I. Say, okay, God, where is it? He's saying it's right there. Where? Right there. Well, what's my problem? It's right there. And then sometimes that's why we come to church because then God lifts us up and we see it. We say, all right, that's awesome. But then all of a sudden he puts you back down to your workplace, to your family, and then you're like, okay, give it to me. And God says, no, you got to go get it. I showed it to you. You've seen it. Now you got to put that, that passion into action. You got to put that vision into action, that dream into action. But look at my friend. It's not by accident that you have that dream. It's not by accident that you've seen that vision. My friend, now you got to work it. Tell your neighbor, now you got to work it. See, if you and I are going to understand the significance of the ministry that God has for us and have that success that God wants for us, then you have to have a vision. Someone once said, we're limited not by our abilities, but by our vision. See, vision is the art of seeing 
what is invisible to others. I was reading a story the other day about this woman, Helen Keller, and all of a sudden she was, you know, had all these quotes. And if you know anything about Helen Keller, she received a, a, a bachelor's and she was the first woman uh, who was deaf and blind to receive a bachelor's. And you're like, whoa, this is, you know, this is crazy. I mean, stories have been made about her, um, written about her, movies have been made about her. And uh, she, she said a quote that really, really got me, being a, a, a blind woman and a deaf woman. She said this. She said, the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but has no vision. Now, I've heard it said before that there many people have the ability to see, but they have no vision. But when there is an actual woman that cannot see with her two eyes, and she says a statement that really hit hard to me. She said, the most pathetic person in the world. I said, whoa, that's heavy. Man. I pray that I would not be a pathetic person because uh, I don't know about you, you know, because, you know, when, when people, you know, say things to you, some, some things are pretty harsh, like, you know, you're a loser, you're a fool. But sometimes some of those things that, you know, they're said to you so much, you're like, ah, eh, whatever, okay, yeah, you know, people are just hating on me, okay. But there's certain words that just like, wow, that's cold. And like in that category, category of being coldness pathetic is in there the most pathetic part i said wow that's heavy my prayer is that there would be no apathy that leaves this room there would be nobody here that leaves this room without an understanding of the purpose that God has for your life. Listen, my friend, it doesn't matter whether you have both your arms, both your legs, you're in a wheelchair. It doesn't. What is the purpose that God has for your life? You need to understand something. It's not by accident that you're there at that job. It's not by accident that you're there and you have this family. It's not by accident that you live in that neighborhood. There is no accidents in the kingdom of God. My friend, it's just the purpose and the revelation that God has given to us and us exercising that vision, us exercising that purpose. I pray that by the end of this message that you would understand the purpose that God has for you. Now I want to ask you one more time. Do you see what I see? Ask the person next to you, do you see what I see? I want to give you four keys to what vision does within our lives. The first thing that vision does within our lives is that vision guides us. Vision guides us. See, many churches or, or ministries, they have no idea where they're going. They just figure, I'm a Christian, I'm going to be a light, and that's it. My friend, there's a little bit more to being a Christian than just saying you're a Christian. You actually have to act like a Christian. You actually have to apply these principles of the Word of God. That's why it's so funny whenever I see or, or hear people, they, you know, you ask them, hey, uh, you know, do you go to church? I, that, you know, Kind of asking that question has been minimized now because almost a lot of people go to church. I don't really want to ask that. I want to say, are you a Christian? Do you love Jesus? Do you follow Christ? Because if you follow Christ, that's a total, totally different question of than do you go to church. Because I know a lot of people that go to church. And you've heard it said before, just because you go into a garage doesn't make you a car. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. There's a big difference in that. There's a very big difference in that. See, it's the guidelines. It's the guidance that you and I have. When you and I drive there on the street, when we get into our cars and we drive, we look for the lights. We see the signs. Okay, I see this. We look for the, uh, the white guidelines there. Now, you can drive anywhere you want. 
But if you want to get to your destination safely, if you want to get to the right place that you're supposed to, then you got to stay within the lines. If you get outside that lines, there might be a policeman that pulls you over. You may not like it, but that's what's going to happen. Well, I don't agree with that. I think I should drive wherever I want. You can drive wherever you want, but if you do drive wherever you want, I'm going to give you a ticket. You're going to get in trouble. Well, I think I can date and go with whoever I want. Well, you could, but don't get mad if you get in trouble. Well, I think I should be able to do this. You probably could, but if you don't stay within the lines, don't get mad if you all of a sudden you hit somebody or somebody hits you because you didn't stay within the lines. See, vision guides you. Vision keeps you on the path that God has for your life. It helps you understand the calling that you and I have. It brings that revelation from God a lot more clear. See, the Bible says in Psalms chapter 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard the story about that before, about what it means, but why so many people, they used to, how they used to travel uh, back in the days, how they used to have the little uh, lamps that were there tied to their feet. Because you've got to remember, right now you can go outside late at night, and you've got all these you know, sidewalk lamps, and everything's great. It's fine. You can walk for miles, miles and miles and miles in the dark. Maybe you might have a little bit of the guidance of the moon, but if it's overcast, you might not have no light. Now, if you've ever been somewhere where it's pitch black, you've been out in the wilderness before, right? How many have ever been out in the wilderness before hunting or hiking or camping? Pitch black, right? You can't see nothing. Well, this scripture, what it's talking about is what the uh, priests and many people would do, travelers, journeyers, what they used to do because they can't see nothing. They used to put a lamp right there by their feet, and they would tie it around their feet. And when they would tie it around their feet, they could see only so much in front of them. But that lamp, that light was very key. It was very, very important because if that lamp went out, they could very well walk and go right over a cliff. So that was very important that that lamp would stay right there. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's so many people that they want to see way over there. God, I want to see what you have for me. God, I know I'm going to be a millionaire, so God, I want to see it. And God says, no, I don't want you to be a millionaire yet. I want you to just learn how to handle $1,000 first. Can you just do that? Can you just go along the path that God has for you? Can you just stay along that path? Just right there. I know you can only see a few feet, but my friend, that's all the vision you need. That's all you need. It guides you. Look at your neighbor and say, it guides you. See, there was, very, there was a lot of examples there within the Bible that you've seen of a lot of people that had a vision that was specifically for them. When you read the life and the example of Peter, you read that he had a specific ministry just for the Jews. When you read the life of Paul and his specific ministry just for the Gentiles. When you even read the history books about victory outreach, it says that there's a specific ministry for the inner cities of the world. A specific ministry for the treasures out of darkness. Just yesterday, my wife and I, we were coming down from the mountain. And uh, even if it was just for this one person, and I think we stood overnight just for this one person. Who knows? But we were coming down, and we got something to eat. And as we uh, got something, we came out the drive-thru. And right there, my wife, see, you know, she just spotted her right away. Boom, boom, boom. It was just right there in her heart. She said, hey, I want to go pray for that girl. She was right there, you know, on the, on the corner. And we were in a, a truck stop city. If you know anything about truck stop cities, there's a lot of prostitution, a lot of uh, pimps that are all around there. And so my wife says, hey, I want to go pray for that girl. I said, okay. So I just flipped around, made a U-turn. 
Got right there, pulled into the gas station. My wife got out and began to pray for her right there. At first, she didn't want to hear it. You know, she was like, oh, you know, because, you know, when they're working, don't bother me. Don't bother me right now. They get real mad. So at first, my wife just gave her a flyer, came right back. said, oh, man, you didn't get to pray for her? I said, oh, no. I said, let's just wait. Let's wait. Just wait. Just wait. And as we waited, she walked away from the car, said, okay, now go. She said, okay. My wife went over, began to talk to her. I was talking for her and, and, and began to pray for her. And my wife asked her the question, or, you know, excuse me, uh, she began to tell her about Victory Outreach. And the girl goes, oh, yeah, I know about you guys. You guys are always out here. And I was like, well, all right. Now, this wasn't our city. This wasn't, uh, uh, you know, Los Angeles. This was actually the city there in Fresno, just a, a city right outside of Fresno. But that was powerful to me. That no matter where we go, our vision is very clear. We reach out to the prostitute. We reach out to the gang member. That is what God has called you and I to do. That is our ministry. That is our vision. No matter what we do. Now listen, I love other ministries. I love taking other ideas. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, man, that's awesome. But my friend, our vision, our ministry, our mission, our mandate is that God has called us to the inner city. In other words, it's the place that's inside that nobody wants to go inside. Some of you, you were like, some of you I look around right now, you were like inner, inner city. Because not even the inner city wanted to go inside where you were at. They looked at you and go, oh, just leave him alone. He's just horrible. Don't worry about it. That's our local dope fiend right there. Don't worry about it. He might steal your purse, but don't worry. He'll give it back later after he takes everything out. Don't worry about it. I mean, that's like inner, inner city. We just don't reach the inner city. Because it's almost like even Hollywood loves the inner city now. Oh, look at the thug. All right, let's put him on films. And, hey, everything's great. Like, no, that's, that's not the kind of inner city that we reach. We don't, we don't reach that kind. We don't reach actually where the news cameras go. That's, it's cool. I mean, it's great if they come. It would be awesome. I, I think we got a better news story than what you probably saw last night on 2020. That's what I think. I mean, that's my personal opinion. A lot, I mean, there's great stories that they share that are very touching and very, you know, uh, they, they go straight to the heart and, oh, that was so great. But I'm going to tell you right now, uh, there's a lot of greater stories that you're probably never going to see on 2020. You're never going to read there in the newspaper. You're probably never going to see it. It's never going to get no limelight, but that's okay. All it needed was the lamb light. That's all it needed. The lamb of God just came in and said, look, nobody else wants to see you. Nobody else wants to, anything to do with you. But I want everything to do with you. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to raise up a ministry. I'm going to call them Victory Outreach. And they're going to go reach out to the worst gangsters, the worst drug addicts, the worst pimps, the worst prostitutes. Hello, somebody. And I'm going to call a people that were not a people. And I'm going to take them and I'm going to put them right there where I've called them to go. That's our vision. That's what God has called us to do. You want to know the crazy thing about it is that even if you have never were a gang member, even if you were never were a drug addict, we still love it anyways. I never was a gang member. I never was a drug addict. But, man, I love, I love Will, man. This boy, I mean, I'll tell you right now, there would probably be no connection ever in the streets where I'd ever see him. If I see him, oh, my gosh. I want to live to see tomorrow. But now, because of a vision... Because of a vision, 
The second thing that the vision does is that the vision unites us because of the vision. See, we're more than just a movement. We're a family. We're a family. I mean, most of, most of us probably never before ever in the world, maybe you might have crossed paths. Maybe you probably never would. I mean, if you look about, if you think about it and look around, I mean, probably some of you, you might have been racist before. Oh, I'm not going to sit around a black guy. I'm not going to sit around a white person. I ain't going to sit around no Mexican. Oh, I ain't going to sit. No, no, no. And because some of your upbringings, you were just like that, right? Maybe some of your families, no, you don't ever talk to those people. You don't talk. No, no, no. We stay here. This is our culture. This is who we are. Right? That was many of our upbringings. That's the way we were. And that's just the way that we lived. And we figured that's the way that it was. But because of a common vision, the vision takes you out of that subculture and brings you into a holy culture and says, okay, now because of the vision that you've given me, God, I'm going to make family with people that maybe never before I ever would. Now I'm going to start calling them brother. I'm going to start calling them sister. Like, I would never call you brother before. But now because of a common vision, it unites us. It brings us together. United we can. That's what a vision does. I mean, if you think about it, you can go into any victory outreach anywhere in the world, and you just say those three words, and we know exactly what you're talking about. United we can. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because one common vision. One common goal, what God has done within our lives. See, if you think about the beginnings of this ministry of Victory Outreach and what God did, I mean, it's just a, a heavy, mind-blowing thing. And there's been many times that I've, I've sat back and, and even thought about this. Because you know, i got to think really hard. I'm not going to lie. i got to think really hard. I mean, because I was never really, honestly, I wasn't, didn't come from a rejected society. I didn't come from... Excuse me, where people were always telling you, you're going to be a loser. You're going to be messed up. I didn't really come from all that. But the beginnings of this ministry, that's how we started. We started with a bunch of people who said, man, get up out of here, man. What are you going to do? You don't know nothing. You've never been to school. Man, you didn't even graduate fifth grade. What are you doing here? So all of a sudden, there was a bunch of rejects. There was a bunch of rejects, a bunch of dope fiends, gang members that nobody wanted to be around. Not even their own family wanted them around. And so because of that, you get this one reject from over here and another outcast from over here. And all, the guys, and all of a sudden, they come together and say, hey, you're an outcast? So am I. You're a reject? So am I. Oh, my gosh. We're all a bunch of rejects. At the beginning of this ministry, it probably should have been victory rejected outreach. Should have been. I mean, if you ever hear the stories from uh, even my father or, or Pastor Ed and Pastor Rick, Pastor Sonny, oh, my gosh. I mean, we were called the, 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 you know, the drug addict church and all this. I mean, it wasn't even considered a church. Before it was considered a church, it was drug addicts. That's the way it was known. But because of one common value, one common vision, one common purpose, all of a sudden it brought up a family. And people call it a movement. We don't call it a movement. We call it a family. That's why we call it the mother church. That's why we say my brother, my sister. Uh, even many people, they call Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie, they call them mama and they call them papa. Why? Because it's a family. There's a family that's together. You can go to any other city and you don't really necessarily have to ask them where they're from. Why? Because they're from Victory Outreach. They're a part of your family. You may 
maybe have never met them before. You don't know who they are. You don't know their background. You don't got to know their background. You know their foreground. You know where God is taking them because God is taking you the same place because you see the vision. You see the common goal of what God has for your life and their life. And all of a sudden that vision brings you together. It's a family. It unites us. Look at the person next to you and say, you're my family. See, we relate to each other, other, to each other, different nationalities, different languages, different cultures, but yet we're still one family. See, God's vision unites us with a common purpose. It brings us all together. If you read the story of the paralytic man that was there, it took four men to get this man to the top of the roof. It took four men with one common vision, with one common goal. I mean, it doesn't necessarily go into the story about how these men knew each other or, or what their background was. All it does is just say that there was a man that was paralyzed and he wanted to get healed. And they heard about how Jesus was there in the house and the house was packed. So what are they going to do? They go to the top of the roof. They all grab. Okay, you grab that end. You grab that end. You grab that end. I'll grab this end. We're going to pick him up. We're going to take him up there. We're going to get him to the top of the roof. And I don't know. I guess we'll just make a hole in the roof, I guess. I don't know. You, if you're crazy enough to do it, I'm crazy enough to do it too. Okay, let's put it down. And boom, there it is. They did it all together. See, that's one of the things that I also love about this ministry as well is that we work well together with other people. It's not just ourselves. It's not just all about victory outreach, but we're a part of the body. We are not the body. We are a part of the body. And it's even in our name. So we even let the rest of the body know, hey, we just want to let you all know that uh, our main goal, our main, we'll, we'll outreach. Okay, that's what we do. We reach out. So if you want any part of that, hey, well, we want to help you guys out with it. I can't, uh, I, I can't, countless amount of times that there's been other ministries around that they call us and say, hey, uh, can you help us? Uh, we got some flyers. Oh, sure. The moment you say flyers, we're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. We, we got it down. And they, under, they know that. They totally understand that. Because, I mean, if you ask us really about TV and media, which we would love to get into, we're really not that expert in it. You know, we're okay at it. And even as a whole, we're still trying to get better at it. But as far as people calling us and saying, hey, you know, we got some gang members. here. Oh, that's all you had to tell me? Ain't got to tell me twice. You got somebody that's coming in and out of your house and they keep stealing things? Don't worry about it. We're right there. I bet you I probably got somebody in the home that's probably related to them. We know who they are. We're a part of the body. This is what God has called us to do. This is our vision. This is our one common purpose. We, I love Bishop Macklin. I mean, he is like, to me, he's a bomb. Bishop Macklin is the bomb. If I could sit under there, I would love to just go all day. Mm-hmm, hallelujah. I mean, I would do that all, all day. I love that. I love this. You know, even the other day we were talking, we were talking about clapping. I'm a drummer, man, so kind of that's the one thing, though, that I, I want to. I wish I could have a, a, a teaching 101 about clapping and victory outreach. You know, I would love to do that, right? <laughs> so some of you guys are like, what? I just clap regular. Well, uh, if you're probably looking at me like, what? What are you talking about? You're probably the one I'm talking about. <laughs> Because, you know, because you know, when we do the, you know, the, the faster songs, I know it was a blood, right? I know it was a blood. We do those songs, and as we do those songs, a lot of times, you know, Latin culture is a little bit different. So they're like, no, it was the blood, I know it was the blood. And I'm like, ah. 
So I just kind of go with it. I'm like, all right, I guess, okay. Well, the other day we were with uh, one of the churches, and, you know, they kind of get down a little bit. I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, my gosh, they're on beat. This is a miracle. Hey, all right. Hey, come on. Hey, come on. You know, I was feeling it right there. If you're laughing, you understand what I'm talking about, you know, the clapping. Even Bishop Macklin one time, for those of you in Victory Hours, you remember? It was a couple years ago, uh, many, many years ago. Even uh, we were singing Lord, You Are Good or, and some other songs. And Bishop Macklin, he, got a, he went up there. He grabbed the mic. We were leading. We were helping do worship. And Bishop Macklin went up there. He goes, okay, 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 okay. No, 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 no. Now, I know we got Victory Outreach folk up in here. But, uh. We clap on the one. <laughs> does, does anybody remember that? Does anybody remember that at all? Now, I was cracking up. I was cracking up. I was like, oh, that's funny. Okay, let's do this. Yeah, I was, oh, it's so funny. But see, that's what, that's what happens when you're family. It's no big deal. All right, so we can't clap correctly. <laughs> Just Put us together and we'll do it together. All right. Let's just do this. Some people, so they, they maybe can't go to the gang member and the drug addict like we can. It's okay. Come on. We'll teach you. We'll show you. All right. We're not good. With, well, show us because that's what happens when you're a family. One vision, one common goal. It brings you together. No matter what happened before, listen, my friend, by the time that you leave here, listen, you might have had something against somebody, but if you've got the same vision, my friend, that's why this says the vision, you can't have to restraint. It's gone. It's okay. You're a family. It brings you together, especially at this time within the holidays. If there's any time to let it go, it's right now. Tell your neighbor, just let it go. See, this is something that keeps us unique. This vision that unites us keeps us unique. Did you know that you and I, you're unique? I mean, just look at the person next to you. Don't even say nothing. Just look at them. You can tell, yeah, we're unique. We're a unique people, a peculiar people that God has called. We've got pretty much every race around here. I mean, even my brother there in the back, I was giving him the video, and all of a sudden he started talking to me. I go, man, am I Russian right now? What is he? Polish. From Poland. My gosh. Oh, that's the Polacks right there. I mean, I really felt like putting on, you know, my, my hat, you know, those, those Russian hats, putting on the coal and the peacoat. And the... Come on now. I was loving it. When he first started sharing, I was like, what? It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 the video, the video, that's what we're gonna do. I was like, but that, you know, that's a, we're unique. We're very unique. And now, I hope that you don't find it strange when we start getting more Polish or the Polacks, when we start getting more of them here. Then we go, oh my gosh, no, that's because we're unique. We're a unique people. We're different. I mean, look at AJ and his long hair, and Will, he ain't got no hair. <laughs> and they're sitting in the front row. Don't tell me that's not unique. We're a unique people. Sometimes we wear ties. Sometimes we don't. Oh, my gosh, what do we do? We're unique. 
We're different. Sometimes we say, you know what? I know. Let's take church to the streets. I mean, other people will be like, oh, my God. Whoa, you can't do that. you got to stay within the walls. Well, we're kind of unique like that. We actually kind of like to take church to the streets. I know, I know it's kind of crazy. I, I know it's like, whoa, we don't actually have a, a sound system and lights and a, a stage. And actually our stage is nothing but the hard concrete or blacktop. That's all we got. And our only uh, speakers that we have comes from within our lungs out of our voice. I know that's all we got. But listen, that's what God has called us to do. That's why I'm so unique. If you want to call me different, then I'm different. I guess so. It's because I got a vision that God has called me to do. We're unique. Look at the person next to you say, we're unique. The third thing that vision does is that vision empowers us. Vision empowers us. See, we must remember that this vision is God's vision. Can I hear an amen? It's God's vision. See, it's God that is building the house. See, the Bible says that if God does not build the house, the worker, he just labors in vain. It's in vain. All this stuff that you and I do, it can be in vain if God is not the center, if God is not the beginning, if he's not the middle, and if he's not the end. We can labor this whole thing in vain. See, this is why you and I need to understand that this vision, it empowers us through God. Our dependency should be upon God. See, some of you, maybe even right now, you might be in your ministry and it might be fluctuating just like many a times many ministries do when you're involved and you're, you're probably saying, well, man, sometimes it goes good and sometimes it doesn't. Man, sometimes I got a lot of people in my journey life group, sometimes I don't. Sometimes a lot of people come to my Bible study, sometimes, sometimes my family listens to me, sometimes they don't. Listen, my friend, don't put your dependency upon those who listen to you and those who don't. Don't put your dependency upon how successful your ministry looks because I'm going to tell you right now, your ministry may look successful, but then real soon it's going to look very unsuccessful. Then what are you going to do? Well, I was, I was depending upon people coming. No, no, that's not necessarily success. Matter of fact, we don't even want success. We want significance. That's what we want. Because then we know that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are empowered by God. Our vision is that God would empower us. Can I hear an Amen. See, we must develop the heart of God for our ministry. See, in the book of Acts, there was examples of men who were sent out. But before they were sent out, they were told to go and wait in the upper room. Before you go and before you go out there and perform acts of God, because that's why it's called the book of Acts, because many acts were happening. People were getting healed. Miracles were happening. Signs and wonders. But before you go and do that, come together, get in the upper room, and get the power. Receive the power. See, when you have that vision, when you understand what God, you go in there and you're willing to wait in that room. You're willing to wait right there. See, that's why many a times we, we tell many of the young people there within our, our, our urban training centers, right now, you're in the upper room. God's putting you right there and he's molding you. He's shaping you. See, some of you right now, you might be in that upper room and God's telling you just to wait. But, but I want to go out there and I'm going to preach. I'm gonna, okay, I know you do want to preach. I know you want to go out there and do all these great things and perform these great acts and wonders. But before you do that, you need to get empowered. You need to receive that power. See, that's what God did with these men before he sent them out. That's what God did with the disciples. He spent time with them. He was in there. He was waiting together. They were inside. That's why every Sunday morning we come together and we receive the, uh, the vision and the purpose that God has for us. And then we're sent out. See, that's why it's very important that you come to church. Your church attendance, it's not so much based upon how many numbers we can get in here. Who cares about that? We want to make sure that you're receiving the power. That when you come to church, you're receiving uh, the instructions, the holy instructions that God has for your life. 
I mean, that, I mean, that was powerful. I, I don't go around to many churches that ask, do you have a Bible? And if you don't have one, we'll give you one right now on the spot. I was like, wow, come on now. That's what I'm talking about. You go to a church that says, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to give you one right now. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, you know, that's, that's bold. That's very bold. I love it. We're unique like that. We'll give it to you. Because we want to make sure that you receive the power. You receive the instruction that God has for your life. It's very important that when you come here to church that you're receiving that. You feel empowered. You feel what God wants to do within your life. You don't come to church to say, oh, man, I feel weak. And then, you know what, I'm going to leave here and I'm going to feel the same. No, you come here so that you can receive the power. Get something inside of you that you might have come in feeling a little weak. You might have come in feeling a little drained. You might have come in people taking all this from you, people taking all this, telling you this, telling you that, pushing you down. But all of a sudden you come inside church, you get the power of the Holy Ghost and say, God, now I feel it. Now I know what you want me to do. I feel that power of the Holy Ghost. Now I know that you want me to lay hands on people and then they're going to get healed. Now I know that you want me to give me a word for my co-worker. Now I know why. Because I feel the power. That's what happens when you got the vision, when you see what God has for your life. For your life. You get guided. You feel united. And all of a sudden you feel empowered. There's an empowerment that happens. Tell your neighbor, do you feel the power? See, God's vision It's filled with passion, and it's filled with zeal. We are called to be a people of passion. See, a lot of people sometimes, they may may look at our ministry, Victory Hour, and say, man, those guys are crazy. They're loud. Well, you should have seen us before we got saved. How about that? We were quiet and yet still loud. Because we were so quiet, we'd take your stuff. You wouldn't even know it. Then you would be loud. What? Where's my stuff? Either way, we were loud. Or we'd just be out there in the middle of the, of the streets. Hey, how you doing? Oh, my gosh, who are those people? Oh, my gosh, call me. Like, they ain't got to call nothing. He's got to yell out. You don't need no phone. People look at us and say, man, they're loud. They're crazy. Say, Actually, we're just not loud. We're just passionate. And I'm... Really not going to apologize. If you go to a lot of other ministries, now believe me, I love other ministries. I just told you right now about Church of God in Christ. They're loud like us. That's why I love to talk about them. They're just like us. They're crazy. But one thing that just, you know, we're passionate. That's what makes us unique. It's almost like you give us a microphone. Are you sure you want to do this? Okay. I want to let you know that Jesus Christ loves you. He changed my life. I was a drug addict. I was a gang member, but God picked me up. He raised me up, and he could do the same for you. We're passionate. That's what God has done. And we can't apologize for passion. I can't apologize for zeal. I'm sorry. What do you want me to do? If you don't want me to yell, then don't be around me. I'm passionate. That's what happens. I pray that we never lose that passion. I mean, if you, if you look at it and you read the lives of these great men, David and, and Joshua, uh, all these different men, Moses and Abraham, they were passionate people. They made some passionate mistakes. But the great thing about it is that all of a sudden, just like David, oh, God, 
I'm sorry. Created me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit because I did wrong, so now I need to get right. But now that I'm getting right doesn't mean that I'm quiet now. Okay, I'm a little bit more reserved. No, you keep that passion. Okay, you made the mistakes in the past, but that's why it's called the past. Now you focus on the vision. You keep that passion. You keep that drive that you have. Listen, Victory Outreach Hayward. I pray that you would not lose that passion for the hurting, passion for the gang member. I was sitting right here next to Toby right now, and he said, oh, we were doing 100000 I said, how, how do you do that? What are you doing with the 100000 He said, oh, okay, when we pass out the flyers, we're touching people. I said, man, let's do it. And I go right now, and then I told him right now, I said, you know what we should do? I go, if that's how you're doing it with the flyers, I go, we should do a one-month crusade. Let's just do 100,000 flyers in one month. I go, how about that? And then we go, what? I go, why not? Come on, let's do it. 100,000 flyers in a month. Wouldn't that be awesome? Touch 100,000 in one month. Now, if you're like, oh, man, I don't know if we could do that. Come on, man. Why not? We can do it. It's just going to take a little bit of passion on your, on your part. A little bit of action on your part. And this is not one of those, well, I'll let him do it. No, God is calling you to do it. Get in the lines. Stay in the lines. Believe me, we'll do it together. We'll push it along. We'll drive it along. Keep that passion. Don't lose that passion that God has. And the last thing as it comes to the keyboard here this morning, that vision is that vision is progressive. Vision is progressive. See, if we are going to fulfill the destiny then we must keep and step with God. Being able to stretch our faith and stretch our mentality. One of the best things that I remember, the last words that I heard within my father's preachings there within one of Sonny's guys, I listened to that message every so often. And the last thing that he would say in his message, he would say, stretch yourself. Stretch your capacity. Stretch who you are. Stretch your faith. It's more than just what you see or feel at the moment. You got to stretch yourself. See, vision, it's progressive. The moment you get to that short-term goal, I just want to be an ex-drug addict. Okay, we can get there. I think we can do that. I just want to, you know, I just want to stop being so angry. Okay, I think we can get there. I think we can do that. Man, I just want to get off of, uh, off of drugs. I want to just uh, quit having that gangster mentality. God, I just want to, okay, we can get there. We can do that. But once we get there, then what's next? See, my friend, it's more than just what you see right in front of you. It's more than just that. I mean, just you can ask any married couple, right? Ask any married couple that when they were dating, oh, man, I can't wait, I can't wait. And then all of a sudden, you get married. Okay, now what? Now what? Okay, well, we're just going to continue dating. Well, it's a little bit more than that. Now you got to grow. Oh, man, I thought it was going to be different. See, when you were dating, maybe before, you, you would see that person, you'd come together on a date, and then you go your separate ways. And then all of a sudden, oh, my, now we're together all the time. This is different. This is crazy. See, before, before, maybe you were a Christian, and you heard about God in a certain way, and you would come, and you would date God. You would just date him. Okay, I know God. Yeah, sure, I go to church on Sundays. Sure, I got a Bible somewhere. Sure, and you would date God. You would come together and you would meet. You would maybe meet on emergencies. 
you know, maybe a family member be in trouble. Oh, God. And you would date God. You would date him during emergencies. Okay, great. Oh, and then all of a sudden, emergency's over. Okay, God, I'll see you later. Thanks. And God says, okay. And God, you got to remember, God's a gentleman. He's never going to not want to date you. He'll always date you. But the thing is, all of a sudden, God, he wants a little bit more than that. He wants a little bit more than a, a date. That's just the starting point. Eventually, he wants to live with you. Matter of fact, he wants to live with you so much that he made it very clear where he wants to live. He wants to live in your praise. He wants to live in your worship. He's looking throughout the whole world, the Bible says. He's looking all to and fro where he can live. Because he wants to do more than just date. He wants to do more than just oh, what you heard about him. He wants to do more than just a movie screen. He wants to do more than just die on a cross for you. All right, that's good and that's great. He did die for you. That's true, very true. But he also resurrected and he's living right now with you. It's more than just the cross. The cross is awesome. Believe me, it's great. Because of that death on the cross, the death, burial, and the resurrection that we have is amazing grace. See, the vision, it's progressive. It's more than just what that normal, everyday thought of what you and I thought God was, that process. See, some of you, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I really believe that God wants to make millionaires here within this church. I really believe that because it's progressive. Now, I don't believe that God's going to plop a million dollars on your lap and say, now you're a millionaire. I don't think that. The other day, I had a, a man come to our ministry there within the UTC. He's just getting to know Victory Outreach. And he said, I gave him something that was so powerful, so revelation. I was like, okay, I've known this all my life, but I guess. But we were talking about, he asked me a question, a very profound question. He said, right now in this room, if there was millionaires in this room, what would you tell them? I said, okay. This is what I would say. I begin to tell them and talk to them. He says, oh, okay. And he goes, then he asked me another question. He goes, well, if there was Christian, and these are Christians. He's asking me this question because he deals with these people. He deals with these millionaires and billionaires. And he asked me, if there was Christian billionaires in this room, what would you tell them? And I go, well, to be quite honest, I go, you may not like my answer. He goes, just tell me. Okay. I said, well, <laughs> I was trying to be as respectful as possible because, you know, this guy, he's got some money too. So I was trying to be as respectful as possible. I go, well, to be quite honest, I don't think there's any such thing as a Christian billionaire. That's probably the, one of the biggest oxymorons I've ever heard in my life. He looked at me and goes, what? I go, yeah. I go, how can there be such thing as a Christian billionaire? Really? Because if you're a Christian, you're taught the principle of giving. But a billionaire is taught the principle of hoarding. So to me, I just went, how is that even possible? Now, don't get me wrong, there's probably people that have a lot of money that because they go to church, they think they're a Christian, but vision is progressive. Maybe that's where you started, 
and you were a millionaire or a billionaire, and then you got saved. Okay, all right, I'll take that. But it's eventually progressive. Eventually, you stop dating, and you start marrying your maker. And when you start marrying him, you really start getting to know him. And when you get to know him, you know that his heart, God's got a specific heart for people because he created them. And since he has a specific heart for people, he has a specific heart for the down and outer. Matter of fact, he has a specific heart for the sinners. Matter of fact, so much that he went and he ate and dined with them. Matter of fact, when he healed people, he didn't go to the temple. He went out there to where the blind and the paralytic were. That's where Jesus went. Because he wanted to make sure that his heart and his vision was being, saw, was being seen, that people saw it. So for me, when, you know, now don't get me wrong, if you got a lot of money here, I think it's great, it's awesome, it's powerful, but there's a, like a, a, a regeneration that just, it's a cycling. It's a cycling. I believe that you have a lot of money because you can handle it. That's what I think, because you can handle it. God has given it to you, you can handle it. That's great. But when you learn the kingdom of God, everything is flipped upside down. It really is. I mean, learn it. It'll blow your mind away. People come and they look at Christians and say, oh, Christians should be so nice. Jesus was very specific. You can read it there in the book of Luke. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division in the household. Mother against daughter. I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I thought there was family. Yeah, there is a family. But there's also a, a value and a vision and a principle that I have. I came to save the sinner, not to keep the sinner a sinner. Now, if you don't want to make a choice, then I'm sorry. The first, they're actually got to be last. You want to go up, you better go down. This doesn't make any sense. This is, yeah, it is. It's crazy. It's different. You want to get, then you need to give. What? But I thought you wanted me to have millions of dollars. I do want you to have millions of dollars so that you can give it away. That doesn't make any sense. Don't ask me. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. If there's any principle that God talks about the most, it's giving. People say money. Well, it, it is money. It's money. But he actually, it's about giving. That's the principle of it. He talks about maybe the, the quality of money, but that's not the, you know, the, the factor. He's actually talking about giving. That's the main thing that Jesus talks about the most is giving. More than the rapture, more than the leaving, more than, more than anything else. He talks about giving. Because giving stretches your faith. Some of you, you maybe only make $1,000 a week. Maybe you make more, 2000 And you've never tithed before ever in your life. I know a lot. Of, I'm, talk, I'm even talking to leaders. I ain't talking to Christians. Just regular, I'm talking to leaders. Some leaders, you need to stretch yourself. You got to stretch your faith. See, that's why Paul told Timothy, fan the flame. You got to fan the flame. Because sometimes it's real easy to come to church and have that flame go down. Paul told him, hey, 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 fan the thing. Fan the thing. Don't let it go out. Don't let it go out, my man. Don't let that thing. If you got that evangelistic spirit, hey, hey, get those flyers. Get up, get back out there. Even if no one else is doing it. Don't wait for the church to do it. You go, hey, I'm gonna get some flyers. I'm gonna go, I need to fan this flame. If you hear people, you hear that word giving, and you've got it inside, well, hey, fan the flame. Okay, you know what, devil? You might have hit me on my finances. I'm gonna give a little bit more just because I gotta fan this flame. 
I'm a fan of this thing. See, God wants to do something. It's progressive. The vision. I pray Victory Outreach here. Listen, do not lose the vision that God has for this ministry and God has for your life. You're not an ex-drug addict. You're not an ex-gang member. That's what the world has to identify you as. That's not what you are. You did drugs, but actually you were a preacher that went off the wayward path. Now you need to get back to your original calling, which is to be a preacher, pastor, teacher, apostle, ambassador. Whatever it is that God has called you to do. Listen, Victory Outreach Hayward, the vision of who we are. Can you see what I see? I look out and I see this place packed. I see it packed. And then the moment we get it packed, I see another building. I see a whole nother building. I said, I see a whole nother building that's even bigger. I see some double services. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Don't hit me with double services. We got to grow. The only way that you're going to be able to hold double services is that you got to have good leaders that can hold double effort. That's what has to happen. That's what has to happen. So it's time. Got to grow. Got to grow a little bit. Listen, I know you're in the women's home. I know you're in the men's home. But, man, I cannot wait for you to get out of there and become the leader that God has called you to be. You're there right now. Okay. You're in the waiting room. You're being empowered. Okay. That's fine. But then I love the examples that we have. I mean, look at Pastor Neva. He was right there with you. He was right there in the home. Brother Will, they were right there. They were in the home. They were in the home. They were doing that. But now look at Oh, look at them now, man. Look at them now, man. Something powerful is taking place. Something awesome is taking place. Listen, my friend, if you begin to look around and you, if you see what I see, then you would do what I do, and you would know that God has called you. He has given you a purpose, Victory Outreach Hayward. He has given you a vision to reach the drug addict, reach the gang member. Listen, you want that finances in your pocket? Then do the power, do the vision that God has called you to do. Don't let nobody else do it. God has called you to fulfill the vision of Victory Outreach Hayward. Stand to your feet here this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Come on, lift your hands with me here this morning. Listen, Victory Outreach Hayward. God is calling you. God is calling. I know it's the season. Tis that season, but my friend, you might be in a season. You might be in a season right now where God is stretching you. God is calling you right now. He's taking you to another place, another dimension, another level within your marriage, within your ministry, within your finances, within your job. Maybe he's taking you somewhere and you might be fighting it just a little bit, but my friend, you got to stay along the pathway. I know it might be a little hard. I know it might be a little difficult, but my friend, you've got a family that is united. Together we can do this thing. Together we can reach the world. Together we can reach the Bay Area. Together we can reach the city of Hayward. But my friend, we got to do this together. This is something that God wants to empower us with. Listen, if that's you here this morning and you say, you know what? I don't want to lose this vision. I want to see what God sees. I want to depend on God. As they begin to sing this song, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. Come to this altars and we're going to pray that God will continue to empower who we are as Victory Outreach Hayward. Who we are as a ministry. Who you are as a Christian, who you are as a leader, who you are as a
an overseer 